0: Is AI, artificial intelligence, really going to impact local media? Lots of changes in that space, and we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, Keith, so that'll be interesting to have a little further conversation on that. An Espanol version of Fox News is coming. Does anybody care? And some sports stations are selling their branding Soul. Or are they? Hey, good morning. We are back with another edition of Media Insultant. Our opinions, comments, thoughts, and ideas, uh, just ours. You know, we just we just get in there and share them, whether anybody cares or not. I'm Jackson Weaver in Seattle, and in sunny Southern California, it's my handsome co-host, Mr. Keith Samuels. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Jackson, and I'm, uh, I'm 50-50, AI and my own brain. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get. That is—that's one of the things we look forward to—is to discern whether it's you or AI that's coming up with these ideas. Well, it's like so, the Pepsi—it's like the Pepsi
1: commercial—it's like the Pepsi commercials during the Super Bowl, which are like, "Is it real? Do I really feel this way, or am I just acting?" So there you go—you
0: have to find out. <laughs> we welcome you then to the Wednesday, February fifteenth episode of Media Insulted. Okay, Keith, you brought it up, and I admit I missed the media event of the year. You know, I was on an airplane flying back from New York City, so I missed the Super Bowl yesterday. I missed every second of it. And I don't want to rehash the game, because, you know, what do I know? But give me your overall impression of the game, the commercials, the production values, the halftime shows. How did this one stack up as you saw it? Well, it stacked up as an as an amazing game. I mean, it was one of those rare, exciting
1: Super Bowls. I mean, right down to the very end of the game, uh, just a thriller, you know. And and a you know a field goal with I don't know, eight seconds left or something, and that was it. I mean, you know, it, so the the guys at Fox are really thrilled that it wasn't the typical uh, game over by the you know first half or game over by the third quarter. It was game on the entire way. So that was really exciting. The halftime show, we just kept sitting there thinking, and we're not in the demo. We're not in uh, Rihanna's demo. But <laughs> we kept looking at Rihanna going, she's pregnant. And she was. She wore this hideous jumpsuit over this red bodysuit with this red plastic or latex, whatever shiny bustier. And it was like all boobs and belly for Rihanna. And, and it turned <laughs> out that she, she, they was confirmed that she is Prager's. Uh, so that's fine. And you had, uh, you know, all these uh, hazmat guys dancing around the field during halftime. It was Their they costumes for the dancers were like hazmat outfits. It made no sense. So the Super Bowl for us was a complete bust, although everybody's raving about it. I thought Chris Stapleton crushed the national anthem. I mean, he was just amazing. And so, uh, you know, that got off to a good start. But it it was a great game. Production value obviously is great. The announcing critics can't rave enough about the commentary that Greg Olson, who's the commentary guy of the Fox number one broadcast team, replacing Joe Buck and and, uh, Troy Aikman. And so uh, Greg Olson did an amazing job. I mean, his analysis of the plays and the replays, it was just, oh, my God. So it was, he wasn't like Tony Romo where he was predicting the play. You know, where Tony Romo goes, Jim, here comes the motion. He's going to throw it to this guy. Greg doesn't do that. He, he'll say what's, what might be happening, but he goes back and says, okay, guys, this is what you just saw. This is how brilliant this particular play was. Watch this. And it's do. And that's why this guy's wide open. Oh, by the way, they just ran that play up to the right. They just ran the play to the left and got another touchdown. And we're all going... So I was geeking out with Greg Olson in his commentary as a football, ex football player. I was like, this guy is amazing. Now the commercials, kind of a mixed bag, okay, and it always is. And everybody has their own opinions about it. And I even commented on Facebook that uh, in the first half, my favorite commercials were the E Trade Toddlers and the and the return of Zoolander. Ben Stiller and the Pepsi ads as Zoolander was just in just just. You know, crushed it for me. I, I think Zoolander's hysterically funny, but the E Trade babies. Remember the E Trade babies made Super Bowl fame. I don't know, uh, half a decade ago, or uh, maybe yeah, more. yeah, no longer than that. I yeah, and they were and the, and the yeah. little baby was was talking and he was he was trading on his iPad in his crib, and you know and the parents would come in and bust him. Well, now now they're like three year olds. Okay, and, and they're talking and it's great. And so the the E trade baby ad was just hysterical because remember they had the little black baby that got in the crib with them and they were like buddies, and he was explaining to that little kid about how to do the E trade stuff? Well, that little baby now is a toddler and he's getting married. And the, the white <laughs> E trade baby toddler is the best man. And it's 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 a great spot. But Bob Hoffman pointed out this morning uh, on uh, on his uh, LinkedIn page uh, that there was a great spot that ran a couple of times, and it was and he said this was the best spot in the Super Bowl bar none. Except I challenge anybody to remember who it was for. Okay. Oh, okay. So so it was a it was one of these things where the spot was great. But who was who 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 was the advertiser? And and so and and it was all about making fun of people in the workplace. I don't know if you've read about it yet, but it's people in the workplace calling somebody in their office a rock star. Jackson, you're a rock star, okay? And so and, and it's basically poking fun at that because everybody because what they did. And I think it was Workday was the was the uh, uh, the advertiser hired all these rock stars. They had the lead guy from Kiss. They had Ozzy Osbourne. They had they had all these musical stars. Some of which I didn't know, but they were rock stars. I mean, legitimate, real world rock stars. Rock stars, okay. And basically saying, don't call people at your work a rock star if they're not a rock star. Okay, I'm a rock star. I do. I'm a rock star. And Ozzy is really funny. And, uh, and, and, and finally, at one point, they go, so you, you need to hire a rock star. And so here's Ozzy in a cubicle talking to two guys at work. And they said, so hire a rock star. And he turns around and go, hi, everybody. My name's Oswald. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was great. So so I hope I hope and pray that this week no one is calling anybody in their workplace.
0: A rock star, unless they are a legitimate, full-fledged rock star. So there you go. Well, we don't have to worry about that on this podcast, do we? <laughs> I'll tell you though who, who who the one rock star we have is uh, lucy Lucy Rice, who uh, did did a long mm-hmm. show with us uh, last week. And, boy, we got some really nice feedback on that and some, you know, I think the thing I liked so much about what Lucy did, and I want to thank her publicly again, is she gave us some real concrete things we can get our teeth into in terms of recruiting and retention. CRM, it was really good. If you missed it, it's still posted on both Vimeo and all the podcast platforms. It's a Lucy Rice interview on, you know, how to get and retain people in the sales department. So thank you, Lucy. Yes, thank you, Lucy. You are A rock star.
1: Yeah, no question about it. She is a a
0: living rock star. So uh, moving on to our first story here this morning, Keith, the Spanish broadcasting system, SBS, is getting out of TV. Now, a a lot of people had advocated this for some time because their TV cluster didn't have a lot of strength. They were just in South Florida and a couple of signals in, in Puerto Rico. And they've always been programmed as mega TV. I think they do the same thing with radio, mega radio. And in television, it's always been a mix of uh, various Spanish programming, and they feed a national network that is uh, a dot two network that feeds all the dots around the country, so they get some pretty good national coverage. And, you know, I, I know you have uh, very little uh, respect for SBS. I think you think they're, well, I should, I should let you speak to how you feel about them, but you know, I think this is a pretty good deal for them. They sold it for sixty four million. They had bought it for I don't know fifty or thirty some odd million, maybe fifteen, 20 years ago. And I think it's a pretty good deal. but you're not as enthralled by SBS as you might be. So what's your opinion on this deal, Keith? Well, I think it's a good deal
1: for them. Yes, I think they should get out of television. <clears throat> and this is and this is you know not enough to be uh, to be successful. Um, and, uh, and, and why not, uh, why not pull the plug on it and get some money out of it, which they did. I mean, what 64 million, including the, that's the signals and some real estate. Great. You know, get out of there, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I think at one point, Raul Lalarcon probably had, you know, visions of being, uh, uh, Univision, you know, being as big or, or being able to compete toe to toe in radio and television, like, like Univision now, Univision Televisa. Uh, Univision, Televisa, best laid plans, right? So you know, hey, between the economy and COVID, why don't you bail out and get some money out and just focus on your radio stations? And um, and because his radio stations are good. in in heavily Hispanic marketplaces, you know, they, they are fairly successful and they compete fairly successfully, you know, in New York, in LA, among other places. And so you know, um,
0: I think Chicago, that, that focus San is Francisco, a good, yeah, yeah, that
1: focus is a good thing for them.
0: Well, the plan for this company that purchased them is a is a fairly new Texas company called Vaz Media. They're going to do kind of a conservative uh, Spanish news network. Uh, you know, think um, think a Spanish language version of uh, Fox News. Mm. And so, you know, I, I think it's at least a decent launching pad for them to begin to do that. And I think you know your your point is right. You know, they bought the stations for thirty seven million. Let's let's get out. Let's take some money. And for a company that's only got about $110 million in trailing 12-month revenue, getting a $67 million check really helps on the balance sheet. So, and again, all the deals in M&A are on TV these days. Nothing on radio. Nothing on radio. All right. So that's the SBS story for this morning. Um, Now, the next question is kind of an interesting one because it's really not media, the way you and I talk about media, but we have talked about on Media Insultant, ChatGPT. We had them actually write a commercial. We had ChatGPT write us an intro. And uh, ChatGPT is this artificial intelligence that uh, has uh, made just this explosion on the scene. Everybody is talking about it. And the interesting thing is, quietly over the past few years, Microsoft has been putting money into it, buying a hunk of it. And now they have announced they're going to put 10 billion dollars into ChatGPT. They're going to integrate it into their Bing search engine. So suddenly, suddenly, Keith, Bing has game. <laughs> you know, Bing has has just struggled with less than seven percent of the search market.
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know. I was reading about this, and I didn't re- I didn't realize that Bing still existed. I guess there still is a, a Microsoft search
0: engine. So sorry about that. Yeah.
1: Okay. You know,
0: I guess I've been on Safari and Google too much. No, they're yeah, they have. uh, Well, Microsoft is going to integrate ChatGPT into both Bing and their browser, which is Edge. You probably didn't know they had a browser too. Yeah, being in Seattle, we tend to be a little more Microsoft centric although the google campus down the street's pretty big too so you know maybe it all works out about the same but a lot of people are saying that that bing could garner as much as 30% of the search market in pretty short order and that's huge i mean yeah that, that would be, that would be that's huge. where google has made all their money no they question really so but how is well, this course, going, how,
1: google how is not- how's this going to affect those of us in local media jackson i mean you know it's one thing to affect search but you know, search money is going to go where the search traffic is.
0: What, what about the rest of us in, uh, in traditional media? Well, I don't know. It's really, it's really a good question. I mean, obviously, Google is, uh, is on this, too. They have a, a new product called uh, Bard or something close to that, Bird, something like that. But Google's behind the curve on this. They clearly are. In fact, it's, it's interesting, Keith, because they came out and they introduced this new uh, AI that they're using, and they're integrating into search, and their stock fell immediately 8%. <laughs> so people were not impressed with it, but you know let let's talk about some you know you could there are a lot of ways you could use uh, you could use this. The AI could organize a media buy, so your media buyer now isn't a media buyer; they just input some data, and the uh, AI does all the media buy it could actually could make the uh, changes in search results uh, harder to feature local advertisers. That mm-hmm. is possible i, I we, nobody knows how that's going to okay. work out. And creative could at least start at an AI level. And now, finish. Right now there are stories <laughs> of radio stations. And finish, maybe, yeah. Yeah, well, they all tend to need a little bit of polishing, but that's right now. As they get better at it and they learn, it maybe not so much. I read something the other day where the, there are a couple of real estate companies that are using it to write the copy for all their listings. Because it saves them from having to lovely four bedroom home with a master plan that is you know yada yada yada, so they're already there in some in some industries and and there's a lot of uh, companies now are using it to handle social media. So, you know what it means to local people. I, I don't know except it could be a fabulous research tool for media salespeople. Mm-hmm. You ask ChatGPT, you say, "Hey, tell me everything about the media." scheduling for Denny's Ford and you get it back. What's there what are they doing on the internet? How give me a history of the of the company. I mean, you know what what bankruptcies have they had? I mean, the things that they could they could search through could be a real interesting research tool for those of us who are in the media sales takeaway or media sales space. And it could affect a lot of jobs, Keith. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, if you're a copywriter, I'm not sure not sure that that's going to be the best place to be. Uh, I, I guarantee you it 's not the best place to be by the same token, Keith you know uh, creative is creative and you know, it 's not a computer process you know you still have to engage people you have to engage emotions, so I guess the key thing both of us would say on this is don't don't take it lightly it's it's not going to fade it 's not going to be something that 's a flash in the pan we're going to be this is this is a complete game changer for all of us, and we just have to kind of stay on top of it. Okay, you know, you are, you're the sports guy among between the two of us. Uh, you talk sports. You analyze sports. You are the sports guru on our team. With my sports education, that's not saying a lot, but you still are the best we've got. So what's going on? You said that Max Media has an AM station in Norfolk, and they're changing... The name of the station. They're naming it after a, a local dealership.
1: Yeah, they're naming Talk it to to after. A, yeah, they're naming it after a car dealer group in its Max Media of Hampton Roads, and I guess it's that vortex in Virginia that has Norfolk and uh, uh, Hampton Roads and uh, uh, Virginia Beach, and it's like it's like if you look it up on uh, on you know any of the listings for Arbitron or Nielsen, it, it lists like six different cities that merge into all that area around that that critical harbor and naval base right there. And Max Media uh, has a cluster, I think, of six stations in the market. They do about an 11.5 share of listening in the market, compared to Odyssey's almost 30% share of the market. So they're, they're of the top groups in, mm-hmm. in, in, in Virginia Beach, uh, Hampton Roads, Norfolk. They're the fourth behind Odyssey, iHeart, Sinclair, and then it's Max. So um what they've done is they've gone out with their sports station which is the only sports station in the market that subscribes to Nielsen uh, and it gets a 16 rating it gets as high as a 2.5 share in, in during football season but it's basically a low low twos high ones share when the number one station in the market's got a 14 right so it's not like it's it's a competitor uh, in, in a lot of ways and so it it, it kind of it sounds desperate that they sold the naming rights to their station. Their station's named after the car dealer group, okay? And so it's Car Dealer Group Sports Radio, and it's, it's like, wow, okay, that seems desperate that they'd sell out the name of their station, the identity of their station to a to a dealer group in the marketplace. But then again, after second, after a, re, a replay and getting Greg Olson's take on the replay. You know, it's, it kind of makes sense because here you are, uh, you're a low-rated you know, AM sports station and I was a non-rated AM sports station sales manager in L.A. I know the feeling when you're at the bottom of the food chain in sports radio on AM in any market and, uh, and you're going to do anything to sell to anybody. And so it kind of makes sense. I'm going, you know, why not sell the naming rights to your station? What, you know, you're not going to... You know, how else are you going to get any money from this car dealer group? I think it makes a lot of sense. And I thought, well, then the, second, then, the then the little angel on my other shoulder said, yeah, but isn't that going to piss off every other dealer in the, in, the, in the marketplace? You're not going to get any other dealer group money or any dealer money. And I'm going, I'm not getting any dealer money anyway. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to get a lot of money from this guy. And I'm not going to get any money anyway from these other guys. I don't anyway because I don't have the numbers. So uh, why not? You know what the hell? You know and uh, you know go sell it to something else. So I think it's I think it gives them a lot of attention. I think they got they got a lot of PR. I don't think it's going to impact. I don't think the sports radio listener could give a rat's ass about what the name of the station is. They just want to know where the game is or where the talk show that they like is. The sports radio listener could give a rip. So you know what? Might as well get the money. But here's the problem that you and, and and that you know Max Sports Max Media. Good for them. They got the money. Because there's no way they're going to go out and outsell Bennett Zier and the Odyssey cluster there that's got a 30 share of the market. Bennett's one of the best managers I've ever met. Uh, he's a great guy, a hell of a salesman. And uh, and he's kicking everybody's ass in, in, in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Hampton Roads, whatever the hell else they call it. So why not go out and why not go out and just sell what you can, and that's what Max Media did with their sports station. They just sold the naming rights of the station. What the other thing, interesting part about this is that when I went to work for uh, for Sporting News Radio, uh, David Gao bought Sporting News Radio. The deal, the licensing naming rights deal with Sporting News Radio, was coming to an end, and they wanted a lot more money for it than Dave David was wanting to spend to pay for the naming rights. So they went. We went to Yahoo, and David Gao got Yahoo. To get you know to allow us to use their name as Yahoo Sports Radio, but he, I, there's, they didn't really they didn't sell it. It was basically a promotional trade. You know you hey we want to name it after Yahoo and we'll put all your Yahoo contributors on the air if we can just name it that and give us some cachet and we'll just promote the hell out of it 24/7, 365. and they did for a couple of years and then Yahoo backed out of the deal said we're gone he did the same thing with SB Nation Sports. They did that for a couple of years, and that ended. And then he just did it with his own brand, which is called Sports Map, because he's got a culture map online presence in Houston. And so he, you know, dropped the uh, dropped it all and named it after his own company. So this is not unusual in sports radio, um, and uh, I think good for good for Max Media to get some revenue for a station that they're not going to sell very much, uh, they're not going to get great rates, and they're not going to get a lot of buys.
0: So why not do it? So there you go. That's my speech. So one of the things that came up in our dis- discussion, okay, that's good and uh, and and <laughs> well resolved. But one of the things that you mentioned as we discussed this is that e- they're dropping the ESPN branding or most of the ESPN branding. And my understanding of ESPN is ESPN's always been very aggressive about when you sign an affiliation, you are ESPN seven hundred and ten, ESPN five hundred and sixty, ESPN whatever. There's no longer a call letter attached, to your ESPN station with your frequency location. And that that's been universal. So has ESPN relaxed that requirement? Because that would seem that they would have had to relax it in order to rebrand this station in, uh, in Norfolk, et cetera, as a, uh, the car dealership radio station.
1: Right. They, so they dropped it calling it ESPN 1260 or whatever it was, and now it's, you know, the car dealer group. And I think I think ESPN has relaxed that. Uh, there still are some, you know, minimal content carriage requirements. So you've got to carry their morning show, or you've got to carry X hours of overnight and everything else. So there's that. But I think they've relaxed the uh, the station branding because. You know, they're calling it. They're calling. You know, the shows are all on ESPN Radio, so they they get their awareness out there. But I think they have relaxed the branding, just because so many of their affiliates want to create a local identity to compete. And so, you know, they've relaxed that a bit.
0: Well, it becomes tough too in a market like that that doesn't have a major league sports team. Yep, that makes you know the the you know, how you tie in and, and a and a market that's in flux a lot because it's a military. Military naval area, so a lot of people coming and going, and hard to have a real strong allegiance to any particular team.
1: Yeah, well, I think in back in the day, ESPN, as in your call letter or in your brand, was really a game changer. I mean, that just that's what grew ESPN sports radio. Now, not so much. Now it's not the game changer that that uh, it used to be. The content's still good. The content's still solid for the most part. Now it's about, you know, I need to fight the battle here locally with my station brand, and I think they've, they've kind of beaten back, you know, the power of ESPN and their radio division to uh, allow a little bit of a relaxation on that. So I'll, I'll reach out to some experts and get uh, get to get a little bit
0: more uh, specific on that for us, Jackson. Well, and again, as we've spoken often, uh, sports is fragmenting enormously. So, you know, the, the value of the ESPN brand may have a little less cachet than it used to have. Well, Keith, just a final note, Uh, you know, I'm kind of a geek about this stuff, and and I stumbled upon something the other day that about 100 years ago, which was before both of us were around, (laughs) let's be clear about that, when radio was first developing, there were these portable radio stations that would travel from town to town. They'd set up, you know, little temporary towers, and maybe 50 or 100 watts. Uh, They were called radio rovers, and uh, they would be leased out for, you know, events, Grand openings, uh, sporting events, uh, educational seminars. Zenith Radio at one time—if you remember Zenith mm-hmm. Radio—they used to make a, a you know, a, a radio set. They used to drive around with these radio rovers to promote radio set sales, mm-hmm. and I just thought that was just so interesting. It was—they were finally put out of business because there was so much interference. And in 1928, the um, federal government just said, "Enough of this! Too much noise. We're not going to do it anymore." But I just thought it was a little bit of an interesting tidbit that would close out this edition of Media Insultant. Do you have any comments on radio rovers? <laughs> it
1: sounds like remotes. Um, but yeah, so the uh, I can understand the interference, and so and, and that might have that might be what spawned the fact that they that that guys along the southwest border of the United States started to do the uh, radio stations just across the border in Mexico that weren't under the FCC guidelines in terms of power and. Uh, and, and frequency and so forth, and so they, there's always guys trying to figure out how to get around uh, uh, the government and, and how they uh, you know pr- run their and, and promote their radio stations, because that became the big deal in the 30s and 40s and 50s was the uh, you know these massive megawatt you know a billion watt radio stations coming out of Tijuana or Juarez or uh, wherever yeah, else along the yeah. border,
0: Del Rio, yeah, Del Rio,
1: yes, very famous. Okay. All
0: right, well. That's it. We've done it again. Media Insultant is a production of intown media. We do interim contract management for radio stations. You can find us on our pod any podcast platform. And the videos are of course on Vimeo in the media Insultant showcase. New shows are each Wednesday. Uh, Keith, this was so much fun. I think we had to do it again next week. We never seem to have a shortage of things to talk about. Let's do it again next week and come up with some more things we can we can poke at people for. And in the meantime, go have a good week. Okay, thank you, Jackson. Always a pleasure. See you next week, buddy.